0: Well, good morning. Uh, we're going to start a new series this morning called Unstoppable, and hopefully you picked up the outline. It's right out there in the middle door, the center door is here at the ministry counter. We are tasked with taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to people, and they need to explain what the gospel is all about. Uh, and they need a clear presentation of who Jesus is is and what he did for us. Our task as a church is to make sure people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of our ministries. That they hear the gospel here on Sunday morning during this service. And every Sunday morning, that they hear the gospel. And that they hear it in our children's ministries, in our student ministries. That they hear it in our small groups, in our missions. And whatever we're doing, that they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hopefully, teachers, you hear that. That every ministry that we have, they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never take it for granted. They know it. I don't care if every child says they know it. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ every chance that you get, every opportunity, every chance you get. They need to hear the gospel. Would it surprise you to know that there are two and a half billion people in this world that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior? Might be more. In the next 10 years, one billion people would be added to the world's population in many of those countries where Jesus isn't well known. Yet the church around the world is doing a fantastic job in making a difference in every continent of the world except one. The church is expanding, and the gospel is having an influence. And people, every minute, are coming to know Jesus Christ as their savior. That's great news, good news, amen? The bad news, the one continent where the gospel is not expanding, is the one in which we live in. And the church, whether it's 350,000 or 400,000 churches in the United States that are of different stages of evangelicalism, in preaching the gospel, 85% 85% of those churches are in, the, in decline or plateaued. We have a job to do, don't we? You will find as well in every study, and every study that I've read and reinforces this, that the Church of America has lost the next generation. We're not losing the next generation. We've lost the next generation. We have a job to do, don't we? The cultural wars that we've been part of the last 25 to 30 years or so, I think a large part those cultural wars are over and we lost. We lost. We could look around us. We could see that. And in the next few months and years, the laws are going to be passed. They're going to affect churches. They're going to affect our church. And it's going to challenge what we believe to tr- be true of Scripture. It's going to tr- challenge our Christian conscience. Then we're going to have to t- take a stand. And we have to be like the apostles, the early apostles, where they said we have to uh, obey God rather than man. And we have to say that. We're going to declare that. That I have to obey God rather than man and what man is saying. And this isn't political. This is about who we are as a church. This is about, as individual followers of Jesus Christ, our freedoms are being challenged, more than challenged. We have to take a stand. Right now, in the United States church, for every 10 men in the church, nine will have their children will leave the church. Eight will find their jobs not satisfying. Six will pay monthly premiums on credit cards. Five have a major problem with pornography. And four will get divorced affecting one million children every year. But all ten will struggle with balance of work and family. Yet in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, Jesus said so many years ago in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he said this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome. And we believe that. And this continent and this nation that we're part of, we want to join the other continents around the world where where the gospel is being advanced and the, the church is moving forward. And maybe you're, you're listening today and say, well, the church, you know, it's the, it's the building. It's the budgets. It's the agenda. Listen, that's not the church. We are the church. We are the church. That's not, when, when the Bible talks about the church, it's talking about you as an individual. It's talking about you, the church, together. That sign that we have out front that says Crossroads Community Church, it should say this is the place that Crossroads Community Church meets. Because that's all this is. This is a piece of property that we meet on. But you are the church. We as individuals make up the church. And the church can never be what we as followers of Jesus Christ refuse to do, right? can never be that. And so what are we to do? What do we do if we've lost impact? What do we do if our influence has been diminished? What do we do? Do we wait for the next Rick Warren book to come out? Say, Rick, will you write another book? We wait for another guy like Bill Hybels to make another DVD so we can look at that and get it from that. What do we do? Do we wait for the next latest and greatest to come out? No, we can't wait for that. What we need to do is get back to this book, the Bible. And inside of this Bible is a book called The Book of Acts. And if you can turn your Bibles there, and it's the Acts of the, the Apostles. And in the book of Acts, we're going to lay the church of the 21st century over the book of Acts. And when we do that, we're going to find some things that don't match up. We're going to go through this. We're going to find things. And during the next several weeks, we're going to go through the book of Acts. And we'll probably stay into the book of Acts until about uh, the spring of next year, 2022. We're going to explore what we need to be as a church, but more importantly, as individuals. Because that's what this is about. Too many times we look at the church, we're not really talking to me. They're talking about Crossroads Community Church. No, they're talking about you. Because you are the church. And if you have your turn, if you have your Bibles, turn them to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to see the church as it's about to begin. That God gives us an opportunity to see the church before it even begins. How it got established and how it, all those kind of things. And we're going to be able to see that in detail. And the title of the message this morning is Passing the Baton. We start with Jesus. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. He also wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke first. And this morning, if you have your outline, I want to give you three things Jesus did in his earthly ministry. And we'll find the first one in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And Luke writes, he writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the, that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, and after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering... He showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. We'll read this passage, and we also read from the Gospels. The one thing that we come and realize about Jesus' earthly ministry, that Jesus ran the race well, right? That's the first one. He ran the race well. He really did. He ran it well. God sent his son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. He sent him to come to us because we could not go to him, right? Because you and I are kind of stuck in our sins, we are broken. the Bible says, we are objects of his wrath, and God, who is holy, there's a great gap, a great distance between us and God, and we can't approach Him, because we're sinners and He's perfect and just and holy and righteous, and we can't approach Him. And God, through His love that He has for us, sent His Son Jesus. So you know the verse, John 3:16, "For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only son, Jesus. Jesus came to this earth, and in doing so... He began his ministry and he fulfilled the the prophecies of Isaiah 61 where it says here that he will be anointed by God, proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, what it said. And Jesus came and in his three years ministries on this earth, he preached the sermons of the kingdom. He did things that only God could do. And when he spoke, he spoke, and the people just marveled at his words, because they said this one, he spoke not like men, but he speaks with authority. He didn't have to quote from the rabbis, the school of the rabbis, that Jesus spoke with the authority of God. And then the day came where he went toward Jerusalem. He had to make his way toward Jerusalem, because he knew his timetable was set. That after his three-year ministry, that he was here on this earth, he was going to Jerusalem, and he was going to die. You know the details of Passion Week. You know it, that Jesus went through all those accusations, that he went through all the torment, the beatings, and the trials. And ultimately, it led him to the cross. He went to the cross. And at that cross, God placed all the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future. Can you imagine that? That God, who could not look at sin, now places all the sins of the entire world upon his own son, Jesus. And Jesus was able to say, Why hang on that cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was also able to say that it is finished. Our darkness came over the earth and the veil of the temple was torn in half. And at that moment of that time, in that moment was fulfillment of a mission where Jesus came to run that mission very well. And he did it flawlessly, didn't he? He did it flawlessly. And then he was in the grave for three days, the Bible tells us. And he came forth from that grave. And as this passage says in Acts chapter one, verse three, he gave many convincing proofs that he conquered sin, that he conquered death, that he conquered the evil one. And he came forth and showed himself to people. And the Bible says he, he showed himself to crowds as large as 500 people, that he was the son of God, that he was God. And to show that he physically had rose from the dead, Mission accomplished, amen? Mission accomplished, what Jesus did there. Mission accomplished. But in the Bible, it talks about the next step. If you drop down to verses 9 through 11, it talks about the next step. It says, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And this event was so important because it, it's, it's, the mission was accomplished, that's what it's saying. But in the, in the people and the disciples would never physically and audibly hear his voice again, would they? No one would be able to come to him in his physical presence and ask him questions and get answers. We would never have another new parable coming from Jesus. There wouldn't be anybody that could approach and come and have their skepticism taken away. As they touched that, the nails prints that what is in his hands, and touched that hollow spot in his side, Jesus was leaving. The Bible said he ascended. He ascended. It, the scripture says he was taken. He was taken. And, and as he voluntarily re-entered the presence of Almighty God, in the book of Colossians chapter 3, 1, it says, Christ is seated. What that means is mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. And while he's still serving, he's still working, he's still interceding on our behalf. He's still our advocate. He's still our, uh, our defense attorney. His work has been accomplished here on this earth. And he ran the race really, 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 really well with perfection. Didn't he? Amen. And because he did, Because of that, because he ascended into heaven, that made it possible for the third person of the Trinity to come to earth, the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna talk more about that in Acts chapter two, but I don't wanna get too much detail about that. But praise God that Jesus ran the race well, right? Praise God that he did that. We praise him every day that he ran the race well. Because he ran the race well, we have salvation. We praise God for that. But you go back to verses four through eight. And what is sandwich in between there Jesus' earthly life and ministry in verses 1 through 3, and the resurrection and the ascension going from verses 9 through 11, what you have sandwiched in there is where Jesus is basically taking the baton and saying to these group of people, now it's your mission. It's your mission. And what we have, I have the second thing Jesus did in his earthly ministry is he passes, Jesus passes the baton. And that's what he's doing here. He's passing it to these disciples, and ultimately to you and I, he's passing the baton. It's your mission. It's now yours. Let's read verses 4 through 8. It says, On one occasion, while he was entering with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said that it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jesus says it again in what we call the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, said basically the same thing. He says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, in teaching them everything that I've given you to obey. And then he goes on and says, "'Surely I'm with you always to the very end of this age.'" When Jesus gives us the baton, his simple message, he says, I want you to be on mission. And the simple message to be on mission was this, very simple, if you wanna know what is our job to do, go make disciples, do you realize that? That's our mission, that's every one of your mission. If you know Jesus Christ, your savior, he says, make disciples. That's the mission. That's what he gave them, make disciples. And after you make those disciples, he says, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the mission. That's the mission we've all been given. And as the church of the first century talked about in the book of Acts for those 30 years, that went about from the early 30s to about 60 AD, what is called the time period of the apostles, that church grabbed the baton and they made disciples. And then they made disciples. Those made disciples, and then those made disciples, and then those made disciples. And so the church for 30 years, for 30 years, made such a huge impact in the world by making disciples. And you say today, well, our world is different, you say that. But our world today isn't any more pagan than it was back then. We need to understand sin is sin, and the nature of sin hasn't changed from the garden. The expression of sin can change from one culture to another. But the nature doesn't. I've seen in my lifetime, the situation in the United States and our our culture has gone from the kind of Judeo-Christian ethic where it's very easy to grow up as a Christian, to hold to that standard, because most of society was embracing that. To rapidly it went and quickly it went to post-Judeo-Christian world until we saw in the late 90s or the early part of this century where it's actually, in a very dramatic way, transitioned to an anti-Christian world. And there's evidence of that today. We see it all the time, in the anti-Christian world in which we live in. But Jesus is here. He's saying to these disciples. He said, I want you to wait. And they couldn't do anything until the, till the Holy Spirit came upon him. He says, you need to wait here. And then he says, the time will come that I talked to you about earlier, will come to pass where you would be baptized. Not by water, but you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, is what he tells him. We read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. The Bible says, by one Spirit, we all baptize into this one body. And that one body that he's talking about is the church. That would be established in Acts chapter 2. We'll get to that later. That one by one, as people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, one by one, the Holy Spirit baptizes them into the body of Christ into the family of God or into the church. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit comes and he places you in, in the body of Christ, the family of God, the church. And, and so the disciples were supposed to just wait until that happened. So that day that happens, you need to wait. But we are reading this passage as well that the disciples asked a question, didn't they? We read about that question in verse 6. It says, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus really doesn't answer their question, does he? He doesn't, doesn't give an answer. He ignores their question only to say in verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. He doesn't seem to care that they know that. He's, I don't really care that you know that. You don't need to know that. But what he does care about is what he says in those last words in verse 8. That's what's important. That's what's important to Jesus. He says, this is what it means to carry the baton. This is what it means to carry it. This is what it means as Jesus hands us off to them and said, I want you to carry this. And he shares these words. I want to share it again in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea in Samaria, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The word literally means there to transmit or to pass on is what he's saying. And what Jesus is saying, it's yours. I've run the race well. I've done my part. Now it's your turn to run the race well. And what he's saying here, he says that, first of all, it's a priority. It's a priority. The ministry of making disciples for the church of any age, it's a priority. So we must make it a priority to do that. We got to make it. And the church in the book of Acts, they gathered together for worship and fellowship, but they scattered for evangelism. And you and I, as we meet together at Crossroads, we gather together for worship and fellowship, but we scatter for evangelism, to make disciples, to carry the baton on mission, right? Not only was it a priority, but it's a command. It's a command. Uh, the disciples had no option to say, Lord, I understand what you're saying here, but I tell you, we got other things we want to do. We got other priorities to do. We got our own priorities. I mean, who would say that to Jesus, who has given and sacrificed so much that so we could have so much? Who would say that to him? Would you say that to Jesus? None of us would say that to Jesus, would we? It was a command. And when God gives a command, you do it. You don't argue with him, right? You do it. Say, yes, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. And the command was to, to these people, And the command was to make disciples. And what happened, There to, to, was to give a clear understanding of who Jesus is and what he did. Not just with their lives, I mean, with the words, but with their lives as well as what he was talking about there. And that's why when Jesus was here on this earth, he shared with those disciples. He said, if you want to be my disciple, he says, take up your cross and follow me. And what he was sharing, he says, to be my disciple, it's going to cost you. There's going to be a cost. There's going to be a sacrifice to be my disciple. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to die to yourself. You got to stop your will, your plan, your priorities. And now it's Jesus' plan, Jesus' will, Jesus' priorities, right? He says, if you want to be my disciple, When you think it's going to be easy and comfortable and cushy, you need to know the birds of the air have their nest. The foxes of the field have their dens, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said it's going to be tough, but you have to do it It's a command. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard work is what he's saying. It's going to be difficult. So Jesus, uh, he says he ran the race well. He passes the baton, but the third thing he does in his earthly ministry, he empowers us to make disciples. And this is really important. He empowers us. This is a huge responsibility. He says the Holy Spirit will come up on you. And the early church was so dependent on the Holy Spirit. We're going to read about that as we go through the book of Acts. I think one of the things that are missing pieces of the church that we've lost today here in America, in, in the Church of America, is that we don't understand the role and the power of the Holy Spirit. And That's one of the reasons I put that song, Holy Spirit, Remember, we, we need him in our lives. That he enables us to do what is impossible to do without him. That is to make disciples. We can't do it without him. And so many times we're trying to do things in our own effort and think, I can do this. I can accomplish this, I can share with Christ. Or I can try—and it, it's not effective. The only way it will be effective is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, prepare people to be disciple-makers who make disciples. And those disciple-makers make disciples. And those disciple-makers make disciples. And the world is turned upside down, one person at a time. Do you know that's God's plan? That everyone who has come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, you're a disciple-maker. And your job, your priority in this world right now is to make a disciple, to pass the baton to someone else, and that person becomes a disciple-maker. And then you continue to make other disciples Why they make it disciples. That's how God planned to reach the world is through his disciple makers, through us followers of Jesus. One person at a time is what he planned to do. It. And that's what we're all called to do. Every one of us. We're not off the hook. But I love what the passage says. It reads here because he says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it didn't happen because that's the outline of the book of Acts. That's really what happened in the book of Acts. As the chapters could be divided from chapter 2 and following, where it talks about Jerusalem, then Judea, and Samaria, as the gospel goes out to the Gentiles, to Cornelius and others, and Joppa and Caesarea, and to the ends of the world. Finally, to Rome, at the end of the book of Acts, 1,400 miles away, they took the gospel. At that time, in 30 years, 1,400 miles away, they took the gospel of Jesus Christ, making disciples. They were so faithful and so committed. So it is with us. It's not just a theological strategy where it talks about the Jews first and then the Gentiles. It's also a geographic st- a strategy where it starts right here at home. And we make a difference with the gospel. We pick up the baton and we carry it. And we go from here where God taps us on the shoulder and says, I want you to go over here and I want you to go there. And I want you to go way over there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we go with the power of God, with the enablement of God, we go wherever God tells us to go, right? We make disciples because that's what we got to do. That's the command. To go where God takes us. And wherever He takes us. To our neighbor, to our coworker, to our family member, or wherever. To somewhere we don't even know. To go share the gospel. We have to be sensitive to where God's leading us. So we need to understand the baton has been passed. The question we have to ask is will the church run the race well? Will we run it well? In the 2008 Summer Olympics, United States men's team, the four by 100 relay, had dominated the Olympics prior to that. They were expected to win the gold medal. But those four men had to run really fast. And they had to run really fast. They had to hand off this baton without even slowing down. They needed to hand it off to win that race. And I don't know if you know the story, if you remember what happened in 2008, everybody was focused on it. We were supposed to win it big time. As they were running that race and they handed a baton, remember what they did? dropped it. And at that moment, it didn't matter how fast they were running. Didn't matter the speed they were running. Didn't matter how fast they were running, because they had lost the gold. They lost the race. It didn't matter how fast. And and they put their heads down. And we were disappointed, disappointed the nation. And we felt bad for them and everything like that. And, And I wonder today, as the baton has been passed by from Jesus, It's a group of dedicated followers of Jesus. They did well through the power of the Holy Spirit. That early church, we're going to find out, they made disciples. They made it. And all through the ages, through the epoch of church history, it has been passed down. This baton has been passed down through one church to another, through one country, one continent to another, and church after church after church, and generation after generation, they have passed it down. And now we're here to the 21st century church, the United States. And I wonder have we dropped the baton? Has the church in the United States dropped the baton today? Have we dropped it? Is it possible in dropping the baton because we become so distracted by so many other things in our lives? You know, notice in verse six what he says. that It's even good things we're distracted. The disciples are asking the question, Lord, you're at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel. Good question. Probably wrong time, right? Wrong time. Probably wasn't a good time to ask that. As I said earlier, Jesus didn't even bother answering it, but he wanted to share something that was more important than fitting the chronology of the end times of prophecy down there. He wanted to share with them what it meant to carry the baton and finish the race really, really well. That was what was important. That was what was important. And, and we get distracted, and, and I'm going to say talk about prophecy because that's, ta- that's what they asked. I know people that have really gotten to prophecy. And I, I love it. I've taught a class here. Taught a class in depth class where they study the book of Revelation. They study the, the book of Daniel, parts of Ezekiel, Zechariah, the book of Matthew. And they get all the chronology down. They get it all down and, and even have charts and maps and they got it all down And what they, what they believe. And it's good. That's not, nothing bad with that, except if it replaces the baton. We get our focus on that. and takes place the baton of being on mission. It doesn't matter how how fast we run the race if we cross the finish line and we're not carrying the baton. Do you realize that? This is what matters, this baton. You're running the race. You say, I'm running the race so good with Jesus, but you're not carrying the baton. It doesn't really matter. This is what matters, the baton. Are we carrying the baton? So churches in our our time, in our country right now, I believe, we've dropped the baton. To study things at the exclusion of the baton, of being on mission, of making disciples, Somebody asked D.L. Moody once, "This which is more important, evangelism, making disciples, or edification, growing in, in the Bible and others growing together? D.L. Moody, I love his answer. He says, it's like asking a bird which, is, which wing is more important, the left wing or the right wing, right? It's like asking that. So it is with the church. Is edification important? Of course it is. You bet it is to study the Bible, to know the Bible. Through this Bible, as we understand how to know God, and, and it gives us everything we need to walk with God. We know from the Word of God who He is. And we know about His Son. We wouldn't know about His Son without the Word of God. We know about this. And we grow in this. And we understand this. But studying the Bible should never ever be at the expense of dropping the baton of being on mission. It should never be at the exclusion of making disciples. Matter of fact, as we're studying the Word of God and we get into this Bible and you say, boy, I'm a student of the Word, it's going to take you right into the Great Commission. You're going to realize my job, my priority is to make disciples. If you're claiming you're a student of the Word and you read the Word of God, it should show you that God's Word tells us that we're to make disciples. That's my priority. Above everything else, we're to make disciples and we're to do that. We're to pick up the baton and we're to carry it. And not drop it, but continue to carry it so many times. Where Jesus says, this is more important for you to know this, that you will be my witnesses. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's what was important. In verse eight, Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is what's important when you need to know. Not about when I'm coming back. The challenge for us at crossroads, to not detract from the mission, but be balanced with edification. Is it possible to get distracted? Whether it be good things like politics, you get involved whether it be good things like community involvement, whether it be good things like getting together with friends and, and neighbors. That's all good stuff, right? But those should be mechanisms for carrying the baton. They should be mechanisms for carrying the baton. See, we, with our baton, we enter politics. With our baton, we enter community involvement. With our baton, we enter bowling leagues and baseball leagues and and tennis leagues and knitting clubs and cooking clubs or whatever club you want to enter. We've got to carry our baton as we go in, right? Because as a church of individuals, we don't have the option of dropping the baton and say, oh, I'm going to do this now, so I don't carry my baton in there. We carry it wherever we go. And as we're getting that, that's what we're taking with us the baton. (laughs) And you say, well, aren't we kind of using that to to share the gospel? Whoever you're meeting with, their greatest need is to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And if you say you really love them and really care about them, what they need is to hear about Jesus. So we carry that baton because they know the greatest need. Not we just don't live out the life in front of them. Sooner or later, they need a clear presentation of who Jesus is and what he did, right? We've got to share the gospel. They've got to know who Jesus is. They just can't look at your life and say, oh, you've got to be a Christian. They may just think you're a nice person. So we've got to open our mouths and share the gospel. We have to do this. Uh, secondly, not only can a church be distracted, but secondly, a church can look in the wrong direction. I love in this passage, as Jesus ascended up into heaven, and he's going out of sight, and they're just looking up at him. And the two angels said, what do you keep looking up at him? It's Jesus, says, he's going up to heaven, that same Jesus is going to come back one day. It's not your job to determine when he's going to come back. But you're looking in the wrong direction, is what it was saying. And somebody once said that God has called us to be witnesses and not stargazers. And I think the church in the 21st century in America is still looking up and gazing at the stars. And they're looking at everything, trying to determine when Jesus is going to come back and looking at our culture and the events that are happening. When is Jesus coming back? And this has got a bit closer. And we're looking at all these ways. Instead of looking horizontally and being on mission of carrying the baton and making disciples. That's what God has called us. So we run the race well. The church can't be distracted. There's all kinds of things can is, is distract us as individuals. Good things, good things. And the church can, can't be looking in the wrong direction. When we think of the baton, we've got to ask a question. How is the church doing? How are we doing as individuals in carrying the baton? And probably each one of us is going to answer that question a little bit differently this morning as we look at our own lives. And maybe for some of you, you've dropped the baton and you're not carrying the baton, and you see it sitting over there, and you're not carrying it, and listen to me. It's not too late to pick up the baton and carry it. And maybe some of you that have never made a disciple ever, ever in your life, today's a good day to start, right? Today's a good day to start. And some, when I say make disciples, you're sitting in your seat right now, let's be honest, you're kind of freaked out about that, right? It kind of freaks you out and scares you. But you're thinking, boy, in the fear of rejection, fear of uh, somebody asking you a question that you can't answer. And that's what we're trying to think of. Whatever those fears might be, I think you're going to find as we study the book of Acts, that carry the baton then meant something different to what we've made it mean today. I think we've missed it, what it means. See, when you pick up this baton, you say, by God's grace, by God's grace, I'm going to pick up that baton and I'm going to carry it what you also need to know as you pick out the baton, that it's by the Holy Spirit's power. Do you realize that? It's by the Holy Spirit's power. We forget about that. It's not my power. I'm going to do this. It's by his power. And he's going to give me the boldness. He's going to give me the words to share. I don't have to worry about the questions. And if somebody gives me questions, I'm not going to have the answer. I just have to be obedient to that one command. And what is it? Go make disciples. Pick out the baton and make disciples. That's all I got to do. I don't got to think of what's going to happen. All I have to realize is that, that God, you asked me to do it, and I'm going to be obedient to that, pick up the baton and carry it. And God promises me, he's going to be with me. And I promise you, if you do this, he's going to give you the boldness. Because he wants to make disciples more than you do. He wants to reach the world. And he wants to do it through you and I, one person at a time. So when you go out and you say, I, I'm going to make that commitment. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to pick up the baton and I'm going to make disciples. God's going to give you the boldness. He's going to give you the words to share. He's going to even give you the things that you ain't even thought of. People ask questions. He'll give you the answers, or he'll help you to find the answers through the Word of God, or go to someone and find the answers. But he'll do all that for you. Don't right now, because of fear, cause you not to pick up the baton. See, the early church never looked at it that way. That it was a privilege and honor to share about Jesus, because what Jesus did for us. So we need to make disciples. Jesus is saying, as he's passing the baton off to you and I, my earthly ministry over is over. It's yours. It's dependent upon you carrying the baton. See, what happens in the United States of America, what's happening today is dependent entirely on the church and the individuals in the church. Taking this baton through the power of the Holy Spirit and making disciples one person at a time. Do you realize that? that's how we change it? That's how we change it. And this is our chance. This is our opportunity to make a difference. If you're really serious about making a difference, you say, I really want to make a difference because I see how the culture's changed. I see our society. Everything's a mess right now. And you're looking at that. The early church had the same things. They were being persecuted. They didn't say, oh, we got to change the governor. We got to change this. We got to..." No, they were making disciples one person at a time and they affected the whole world which they lived. one person at a time. And so if you're really serious about making a difference in our culture, in our society, in your family, with your coworkers, in your community, would you have an open heart, open mind, and be committed to come to church every Sunday, to study the scriptures together? With that open mind, we say to God, God, whatever you want to show me today, whatever you want to show me today, I'm going to do it. Because I want to make a difference in the world. And I want to be obedient to that command picking up the baton and making disciples. We all have to make that choice. We all have to make it. Each one of us will have to stand before God. And, and one of the things he's going to ask us as believers of Christ is, what did you do with the baton? What did you do with that? I know you did all these other things. You went to all kinds of Bible studies. You did this. And that, but what did you do about the baton? What did you do with this? See, if we as adults don't take it but the, the baton, there's little chance that our children ever will. They need us to reach the next generation. So they can reach the next generation and it's not just about reaching our children it's about going beyond that that we're called to carry this baton and make disciples until god takes us from this earth that's our calling that's our calling every one of us to do that so we gather together for worship and fellowship but we scatter to do what evangelism making disciples carrying the baton guys we carry the baton everywhere we go we don't say i'm going to work now i'll leave my baton at home or I'm going to this club, or going to this group, or leave my baton at home. No, we carry my baton out with me and say, no, I've got to carry it, because I must make disciples. That's our calling. That's our calling. Amen? That's the calling that God has. And that's what the book of Acts is about, them carrying that baton. They were faithful to carry it through all kinds of persecution, through all kinds of trouble. Not through everything that was going great for them. As you've, if you've read the book of Acts, you know it didn't. So we want to be faithful, amen, to God and carrying the baton let's pray. Lord, we come and we praise you. And we thank you so much, Lord, as we read the scriptures, Lord. Sometimes it's tough to read them, but we read the scriptures, Lord. And if anybody has read the Gospels, the four Gospels, there's one thing you come away with, that Jesus, you ran the race well. They, Lord, you ran it with perfection. You ran it flawlessly. You did exactly what you, our Heavenly Father asked you to do, and you were obedient in all your ways. No matter what anybody said. You never backed down once And you made disciples. And so now, Lord, as you left this earth, as we read in Acts chapter 1, what you handed down to all of us is, I want you to carry on my ministry. I want you to carry on my mission. And here's the baton. And what I need you to do is for you to make disciples. And that each one of us in this room, if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as our Savior, I pray right now, Lord, that you'd help them to understand that they're lost in their sin and they're separated from God and there's no way they can approach God. And what they need is Jesus died on the cross for their sins and they need to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And I pray that they do that this morning, right now. Put their faith and trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sins. And accept you today. And I pray for their soul right now that understand they need Jesus. For all of us who know Jesus, for all of us disciple makers, that, Lord, we pick up the baton, we carry it not in our own strength and power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray a Holy Spirit come upon us. Help us to take a stand today. Help us, Lord, to make that decision. Give us the boldness, the fearlessness that we need to have, the, the, the grace and mercy and the love that we see for others. It's not all about us, Lord. It's about others. That they are lost for eternity without you, Jesus. That they desperately need you, even though they don't even know it. They don't even understand how lost they are. But they need you. And you've called us all disciple makers to pick up the baton and carry the message that will change their eternity. And those people don't even know it. That we have the answer for them. And it's Jesus. If we're really serious about changing our world, and all of us, hear people talk about it all the time. Let's be serious about picking up a baton and changing it one person at a time by giving a clear presentation of who Jesus is and what he did for them upon the cross. Share that love of Jesus Christ with others. Help us to be faithful, Lord. Empower us. Move in our hearts and minds. Convict us over the next days and weeks and months. Help each one in this room, Lord, we might have a privilege and honor to make a disciple in the next weeks and months. Motivate us, Lord, Give us opportunities. Open up our eyes. Help us to be sensitive to your leading. Tap us on the shoulder. And if we're not listening, tap us harder. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that we see someone differently than we have ever seen them. That person needs to hear about Christ. Lord, because when we go to talk to people, we we know you've already been working their heart and mind. For no conversation about Jesus is ever an accident or a coincidence. It's a divine plan of God to talk about you. And so Lord, send us the direction you want us to go. That every day we go out, we're on mission to talk about you, taking our baton and sharing the gospel. Convict us today, Lord, to pick it up. Take the fear, fear away from us. Help us to be like the early disciples, Lord, the early church, Lord. They were committed to take that baton and carry it no matter what came their way. Help us to be fearless like that. Help us to take the stand today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.